Good morning, Rose Bauer, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. A little quick tidbit of useless information for you. How many people knew that Mother's Day originated officially in Kentucky? And the first major event in efforts to establish a national holiday solely to celebrate motherhood was invented in Kentucky. The founder, a lady named Mary Taos Sassine from Henderson, Kentucky, not too far away, held a Mother's Day celebration on April 20th, get this, 1887, which was her mother's birthday. In 1893, she obtained national observance and Congress adopted the second Sunday in May as the national holiday in 1914. So you can now say that you know Mother's Day came from Kentucky. So isn't that something? That's something to be proud of, right? Let's give all the moms a round of applause right now. Thank you, moms, for being mom and being motherly and nurturing. We're going to begin worship this morning. Let's all stand and let's sing Nothing But the Blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the was 
voice and I learned Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found brought it down to man oh the mighty gulf that god did stand at calvary mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me be seated. Amen. Well, welcome to Rosebar Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here. We do wish you a happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much, family and friends, for joining with us on this day as we celebrate Mom, uh, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's such a joy to have you in God's house this morning, and we want to join in and continue to worship Him. Our focus verse for the month of May is Psalm 121, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. This is a song they would sing on their way to Jerusalem as they would look up to the city and they would be worshiping God and celebrating God and who He is. And it's a reminder to us today, no matter what difficult circumstance we find ourselves, that the Lord is the source of our help. And He is the maker of heaven and earth. The creator of the universe is our source of our help. And that we can lift our eyes to Him and cry out to them, and He hears our prayers, and He answers our prayers. And the God that watches over us does not sleep, He does not slumber. For He is always on the throne, and He is always actively working on our behalf for His glory and for our good. This morning we do wish a happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers who are here this morning. Uh, there's some, something so special about a mother. Her love, her care, how she watches and, and, wants, and, and wants the best for us and, and loves us, even when we don't deserve it at times. Mother's love is just absolutely amazing. And so if you're here, and we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, but if you're here and you're a lady and you're over 18 years old, we're going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're going to recognize you. So if you're here and a lady over 18 years old, would you please stand to your feet? And we recognize you because you are either a mother, been a mother, will be a mother, or you have mothered someone that you didn't even realize. And so we want to recognize you. Will you give these ladies a hand this morning? 
And before you're seated, I'm going to ask Kendra to come and to pray over our mothers this morning. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for today, God. We thank you for Mother's Day and we thank you for um, how special this day is to so many, God. And looking out over the congregation this morning, God, we all have a story. And I thank you for all of our stories. I thank you that our stories are different. And I thank you that our stories are all part of your plan, God. This morning on Mother's Day, God, there are women in this sanctuary that are full of joy and they're smiling and they're just thankful to you for all your blessings, God. But also it needs to be mentioned that there's also women here who are filled with sorrow and they're hurting, God, over the longings in their heart that haven't been granted yet, God. And I just pray this morning that um, even though today's a day of joy, God, that you will speak some, some extra special comfort to the heart of those who maybe aren't feeling so much joy today. God, there's... Women in this room today that are mothers because they've given birth to a child, God, and what a miracle that is. God, there's women in this room that are mothers because they've adopted a child, and what a miracle that is, God. There's mothers in this sanctuary that were adopted, and there's women in this sanctuary that long to be mothers, God. And God, I pray this morning that you'll breathe miracles over this place, God, and that um, you will grant these women the desire of their heart. God, there's women in this room that are pregnant, um, that are going to be mothers to new babies soon, God, and we pray for these babies that you'll help them to grow strong and healthy, God, and you'll be with these mothers. There's women in here whose mothers are in heaven, that they miss their mom today. There's women in this room that their children are in heaven, God, and they miss their children today. There's women that are taking care of their mother, and their roles have been reversed, and there's women in here that their children are in the pews right beside them. And there's women in here that their children are far away. And God, there's also women in this room that their children are far away from you today, God. And I just pray that today you'll um, maybe let, maybe speak through a phone call, um, through a card, direct, whatever it takes, God, to draw these children back to you. There's women whose mothers are far away from God. They're single moms. There's women in this room that have probably had an abortion, God, and I pray for those women today. I pray that um, you'll show them your forgiveness, you'll show them your redemption, and you'll show them that it's not too late for them to let you use their life, God. There's women in here who have never had children, but they're spiritual mothers, there's grandmothers. God, I thank you for all these women of Rose Bower, whether it's their first Mother's Day or their 80th, or that they're longing for to, for to be mothers today. God, I pray for all the women in this room. And God, I understand a little bit more of your love because I'm a mom. And thank you for loving me without limits. Thank you that your love is fierce and unconditional and perfect. Thank you for having a plan for our lives and a plan that's good and a plan that's perfect. And help us to be patient with that plan just as you're patient with us, God. Thank you for this day. I pray that we'll lift you high today because you're good. And may our hearts never tire of telling you how good you are. Thank you for your good gifts. Thank you for your presence. We love you, we praise you, and we stand in awe of you today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's all join our mothers in standing. We're going to continue in worship. Let's sing the Savior of the world. Just one name I'll lift high. In the deepest sorrow, just one name I'll rely on in weakness. Just one name I'll recall in my days of trouble, Jesus. 
Just one name I'll make known In my greatest moments Just one name I'll remember In triumph Just one name I'll proclaim To every heart that's searching Jesus Jesus, only you can overcome every darkness. You'll finish every work that you started. The Savior of the world. Your name will never fail, never falter. We give you
At this time, will the kids come forward? They're going to go to Children's Church. They're going to line up over here by this door to your right. We're going to worship with one more song, Oh, the Blood.
today to praise you and worship you for that, Lord, um, that you died on the cross for our sins, Lord, that you wiped the slate clean, God, that you made us new, Lord, and that you look down on us and you see nothing but the blood of your son, Lord, and you see his righteousness and not anything that we've done, God. We praise you for that. We lift you high for that today, Lord. You are a good, good God, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you have done and continue to do for us, Lord. We pray your blessing on the, the remainder of this service, God, that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear your word, Lord, and let it sink deep into our hearts, God, that it would change us and mold us to be more like you, God, that you would bless Justin, that you would speak through him to each one of us. In that name I pray. have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 14. And as you're turning there, I want to have a special thank you today to our sound and our media team for all the work that they do and uh, all of our service and things of that nature week in and week out. You don't see or hear from them much, but they do a marvelous job, like especially this morning. Uh, when I came up and I shared the welcome and shared the verse, I forgot to turn my microphone off. So, they're so good, they muted me, and you didn't hear me singing the whole time. And especially our Facebook people, they didn't hear me singing the whole time. So we're especially thankful for them today uh, in God's house. They do an amazing job. But we're going to look in John, yeah, Neil says amen to that. Uh, but John chapter 14, we're going to look um, at a very powerful passage. But on on the 20th of this month, me and Kendra will celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary. And I can remember a few years ago on our 10th anniversary, we took a cruise to the Bahamas. And it was a special time. And it was an awesome trip. I mean, it was absolutely, we went to the Bahamas. It was absolutely wonderful. It, the, the weather was perfect, unlike Kentucky, all right? It was perfect. The food was amazing. Uh, the destination, all the little islands that we went to was, uh, was great and had so many things that we could do and enjoy. And we had this waiter that was named Miguel. And, and he was there every time you turned around. I mean, it was amazing. We'd go out of a room at night or in the morning, go into the breakfast buffet on the cruise ship, and there was Miguel. And he'd have coffee on a saucer, and he was like, coffee, sir? And then he would hand it to me. I was like, don't mind if I do. Thank you, sir. You know, he was always there. He would give me coffee. He'd bring us snacks in the afternoon. He would make sure in our room it was filled. Our fridge was filled with Diet Coke and Mountain Dew, our favorites. I mean, he took care of us. He gave us advice on where to go and where not to go, on what excursions were worth it and what, what excursions wasn't worth it. And he just was helpful in so many ways, giving us so much advice and give us whatever we needed. He was there. And it was an awesome vacation. And I remember thinking, I need to get me a Miguel at home. 
right? I mean, could you imagine how great that would be? Miguel at your house giving you coffee, snacks, and drinks, and whatever you needed. I was like, hey, this is wonderful. We just need to take him home with us. Unfortunately, we wasn't able to, uh, but as wonderful as that vacation was, there came a point in time where we were ready to go home, right? Vacation was great. Vacation was wonderful, but it just isn't home, right? There's something special about home, and it was fun, and we'll never forget our time, but we were glad when we were able to be home and be reunited with our family, with our kids, with our friends, in the comfort of our home. And it was funny, when we got home, we realized we actually do have a Miguel in our home. We were Miguel. You see, Paxton was Phoenix age then, so about two, and we realized we were Miguel to Paxton. It was like, hey, Paxton, here's your juice, and Paxton, here's your food, and Paxton, would you like something else, and how can I help you, Paxton? And like, we were Miguel the whole time, didn't even know it. So you've got a Miguel at your home too. Unfortunately, sometimes it's you. <laughs> but I can remember this vacation, wonderful vacation. We were gone and wonderful weather, all those kind of things, but I remember being excited about being home, about longing to be home. When our passage this morning, John tells us about our home as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows us how to get there, and he leaves us longing for home more than ever before. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 14, looking in verse 1, if you'll stand to your feet, Verse 1, the Word of God says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord... We do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house with this, your people, and to open your word. And we pray now your blessings upon the reading of your word. We pray for the power of your spirit to move, to work, and to speak. And God, I pray now that your spirit would speak a better sermon than I have prepared. We pray for a supernatural work from your spirit to convict, to change, to correct, to encourage hearts, and to make us more like your son Jesus even today. Bind Satan from this place and have your will in your way, for it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So where we pick up in our passage this morning is not paradise, okay? It's the opposite of paradise, basically. This is hours before Jesus and his crucifixion on the cross of Calvary, and Jesus is telling them what is to come, to prepare them for what is to come, because he knows how distraught they're going to be. He knows that their world is going to be turned upside down and they're going to be filled with worry, anxiety, and even doubt. And so he begins to prepare them for what is to come. 
which if you stop right there just for a moment and step back, just think about the heart of Jesus in this moment. Jesus is about to go to the cross of Calvary to pay for the sins of humanity, to sacrifice his life, to be killed and be, and, and be placed in a borrowed tomb. And who's he worried about? Not himself, but he's worried about the hearts of his disciples. A compassionate Jesus caring and ministering to the disciples, not thinking of himself, just like we see in Philippians 2 and verses 5 through 11, where his, he, he, he is such a sacrificial heart, and he, he's thinking of the disciples. And he tells them, he tells them that ultimately Judas is a traitor and will betray him. He tells them all the disciples will deny him. Peter will deny him three times before the rooster will crow. And above and beyond all of that, that he is leaving them that night. And actually for him to go was for their good because the Spirit of God would come and live inside of them. And so their mind is absolutely blown right? They're absolutely just, their mind is blown. So he's comforting them. He's teaching them, as, and he's going to comfort them. And there's two things that he shares with them that, that I want him to share with us as well. And the first thing I want you to see is the promise of heaven. He shares with them the promise of heaven. The disciples in their world is about to be turned upside down with the death of Jesus. Things are not going to go the way they expected them to go at all. You see, in their mind, they think of Jesus coming as the conquering king and that he's going to come and set up his earthly kingdom in just a matter of moments or days or months. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. What's about to come is that I'm going to die on the cross for the sins of humanity and they don't understand, right? They're absolutely, things are not going the way that they expected them to go. And I think all of us has been there at some point in time in our life. In the life that we live, there's been a time when things are not going exactly how you thought they would go. And even when it gets at like its worst point, then all of a sudden it's like somebody drops the hammer and it even gets worse. We've all had these either days, weeks, or months. We think in our mind, when will this day ever end? When will this week, this sickness, this issue, this whatever's going circumstance, when will this end? That's where the disciples are. <laughs> they don't know which way is up. And the way Jesus begins to comfort them, he begins with a command. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Or it can be translated as stop being troubled. He continues and says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Here he's given them the solution to worry, to anxiety, to doubt, to despair that is evident in their life. He says, you have believed in God, believe in me. He's not saying, start believing in God and start believing in me. He's not saying, start trusting God and start trusting me. He's saying, continue to believe in God and continue to believe in me. He's saying that is the solution to worry, doubt, anxiety, struggle in our life. This is our way to peace. To continue to believe in God. To continue to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. What he's teaching us is in order to experience the peace of God, we must be at peace with God. 
right? In order to experience that peace that he's telling them to. And that's what he's talking about. Let not your heart be troubled. He's saying experience the peace that only he has available. That only he has to give. And he's telling us it's not a secret. The way to peace, the way to life is not a secret that we're searching for. Like we search for Easter eggs uh, on Easter and looking for eggs. And no, he tells us it's very clear. In order to experience the peace of God, we must be at peace with God. And what that means is we must be in a right relationship with Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and the Savior of our life. Only then will we experience this peace at troubled times. Only then will we experience the peace of God that He speaks of. And He's teaching them how to have peace, but at the same time, He's sharing with them the promise of heaven. In order to give them certainty and assurance during a very uncertain time in their life. The idea is that live now with eternity in mind. You see, many things we don't know about heaven, but one thing we do know is that heaven is a real place for real people. It's not just a myth or an imagination, a pie in the sky or something we hope for. We know that heaven is a real place and it is the dwelling place of God. The Bible refers to heaven as a kingdom, as an inheritance, as a country, as a city. But here in John John 14, verse 2, he's referring to it as a home. And that's what I want you to see heaven as. For you as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, that heaven is not a place, but it's a home. That you belong. That our citizenship is not here on this earth, but it's in heaven with the Father. Verse 2 says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Some translations say many rooms, or enough room, or dwelling place. One commentator said that word mansion is better translated as apartment, or apartments. The whole idea is this, heaven is a real place that is reserved for his people. In verse 2 he goes on and says, it's a place that has been prepared for you. This is not exactly the idea that Jesus is up in heaven with his tool belt and his hammer building a place for you. That's not exactly what he's referring to. Although he may be in heaven preparing your place, what he's more so pointing to, as we'll see in a few verses later, is that he has prepared a way for us to be in heaven. He has prepared through the finished work of Jesus, which means the cross of Calvary, through his death, burial, and resurrection, who died in our place for our sin, was the way that he prepared the way for us that he's pointing to. But then in verse 3, he gives us the promise of his presence. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. I want you to understand, this is the greatest promise of heaven, is the presence of Jesus Christ. The entire focus of heaven is being united in the presence of Jesus. Think of Revelations. We learn so much about John. He gets this vision of what heaven's going to be like, and there's so many ways that he can't describe. But what we know is this, every scene of heaven centers around Jesus. That, that is the purpose of heaven, is to be with Jesus. And so many times we miss this. We think about all of the good things that we're going to enjoy while we're in heaven, and they're good, they're great, and we most definitely will enjoy them. But the greatest pleasure we'll experience in heaven is the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, we can tell we miss it sometimes by the songs that we sing, the way that we think. I guess some of the hymns just think, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. 
The mansion is not the focus. Jesus is the focus. Or maybe in my day when we was growing up in youth group, um, there was a song by Audio Adrenaline that we would sing at youth camp, and it talks about heaven and how it was a big, big house that was, had a big, big table with lots and lots of food with a big, big yard where you could play football. That's it. Even the songs that we sing, sometimes we talk about the wonderful things of heaven, but the greatest thing in heaven is the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's pointing them to. He's pointing to, even though I've got to leave, it's going to be better for you because the Spirit of God's going to come and He's going to live inside of you and you will eventually, I will come again and where I am there, you may be also. Heaven is not the streets of gold, the pearly gates, angels, mansions, no death, no sickness. Those are all great, wonderful, and glorious things that we most definitely will experience. But heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And we will be in his presence for all of eternity. That is the promise that he's pointing them to in the most difficult day of their life. So Jesus comforts hearts by pointing them to future things. And he says, where I go, you know, and the way I go, you know. But then Thomas pops up and says, no, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going. I don't know how to get there. Please enlighten me. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I am so thankful for Thomas and his questions. And isn't it amazing? I mean, just notice Thomas and the way he asked and what he said. Like, he wasn't timid. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't worried what Jesus would say because he knew Jesus. Jesus is compassionate. And Jesus always welcomes our questions. I think sometimes we as Christians walk around with a lot of questions in our hearts and our minds that we haven't had answered that we're afraid to ask. Thomas is not afraid. Why? Because he serves a compassionate Jesus who is always welcoming and loves to answer questions with exclamation marks. What you have as a question, Jesus can answer with an exclamation mark where you no longer have a question. That's what he does here. That's what he does here. And so first he gives them the promise of heaven. But the second thing I want you to see, he answers the question and he shares with them the path to heaven. The disciples are about to encounter a day in their mind that will never end, like we spoke about earlier. It goes from bad to worse real quick. But in those days, Jesus wants to take the focus off of the day, off of the circumstance, off of the difficulty that what they think will not end. And he wants to point forward to the only day that truly won't end, and that is when we are in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. And that day will be a good day. You know, all the days that we think will never end, that we want to end, well, there is one day that will truly never end, and it's a really, really good day. That's what he turns their attention to. Jesus does not only teach the way, he does not just point the way and say, this is the way you should go but he makes it clear that he is the way. You see, when God created heaven and earth and all that is in the universe, it says that he created and it was very good. That means it was absolutely perfect. When he created Adam and Eve, they were created absolutely perfect, doing everything he created them to do, living in the presence of God. 
And there was a perfect relationship between Adam and Eve. And there was a perfect relationship between Adam and God and Eve and God. They lived in this perfect world. But then Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve rebelled against a holy, righteous God. And in the moment of the rebellion, sin entered the world. And sin, like a disease, spread to all of humanity. And that now every man, woman, boy, or girl who are born are born in sin. For all, there is none that is righteous. There is none that is good. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is what the Bible says. And what we learn is the wages of sin is death. And the wrath of God for all of eternity. So in Genesis chapter 3, all of humanity became sinful. And what we deserve because of our sin is hell and the wrath of God for all of eternity. That is, because of the sin that is in our life, we are at war with God. And when we are at war with God, we can never be at peace with God. Right? That just don't work. That's what he's referring to in verse 1. The only way to experience the peace of God is by the Father. Why? Because God loving us so very much, unwilling to leave us in our sin, and our brokenness, and our unrighteousness, that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus. To do the work that we could never do. We could be given one million chances to live a good and perfect life, and we would fail miserably one million times. But Jesus. Son of the living God, who was righteous, lived the life that we could not live, perfect and righteous life. He died the death that we deserve to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And now any man, woman, or boy who would confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead shall be saved. What he's teaching them here is he is the way. The only way to experience peace of God is by the Father. Jesus says the only way to the Father is through Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And so what that means is in order to get to the Father, in order to experience that peace of God, to in order to be in eternity in the presence of Jesus, in order to experience heaven as He promised, we must repent of our sins. That is to turn from our sinful ways and turn to Jesus and His forgiving grace. Place our faith and our trust in Him. The only one we can place our faith and trust in. The only one that will, that, that will allow us to enter in to be with God the Father for all of eternity. Jesus, the Son of God. Here in this passage, He's claiming to be God. And He's saying that the finished work of Christ is the way we can experience the peace of God and the promise of heaven is only through Jesus. There is only one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There are many today that are living thinking that their good works is going to get them to heaven. If I could just be a good person that on that day when I die and I meet God, He will understand because overall I'm a good person. Hell will be filled with good people. Heaven is only filled with forgiven people. 
We don't get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by being forgiven. How are we forgiven? By repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. And my question to you today is, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? I'm not saying overall, are you a good person? I'm not saying, are you a church member? I'm not saying, have you signed a card? I'm not asking, have you been baptized? I'm not saying, do you have any memorized verses in your head or in your heart? I'm saying, do you know Jesus in a personal way where if if you were to die today, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would be in the presence of Jesus Christ for all of eternity? Do you know this Jesus? Because Jesus makes it absolutely clear There is no other way. There is no other way. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's why that last song was so important that we sang, Oh, the blood. Because it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ is there forgiveness of sins. It is only through His grace and forgiveness can we know and experience the presence of Christ for all of eternity. We cannot make it to heaven on our own. It's simply not possible. That's not a way or a possibility to heaven. It is only through the supernatural work of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you, would you come? I'd love to take you by the hand. I'd love to open up the word of God and show you more evidence that Jesus is who he said he was. And I want to show you more promises of what he promises for you as a child of God. And if you're here today and you know that truth, you believe that truth, you live that truth, will you share that truth with a lost and dying world as you go? Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning and to open your word and to read and to... (laughs) Learn of your most amazing truths and promises this morning. Lord, we look to you as Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, creator of heaven and earth. And Lord, we know that you are the only way. You are the only way that salvation is possible. And first and foremost, we praise you for that. Lord, we don't deserve a way, for we are sinful. We're not sinners because of what we've done and the bad things that we've done in our life. We're sinners because that's who we are. We're born sinful in need of a Savior. So we thank you first and foremost for providing a way for us through Jesus. And Lord, I pray now, you know every need and every heart that is in this room. And Lord, I lift those hearts, those needs, those struggles to you. If there's one here today that is far from you, that is not in a right relationship with you, Lord Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that you would convict them of their sins and draw them to yourself before it's everlasting too late. Lord Jesus, I pray that they don't leave today without knowing you as Lord and Savior of their life. And Lord Jesus, for those of us who know you, that our citizenship is not here on this earth, it's in heaven with you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would stir up in our heart a greater desire to share this truth with a lost and dying world. Burden us for those who don't know you. Make us more like you, even today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? Would you respond in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus? Will you come today? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Thank you so much for being here in God's house and to celebrate Mother's Day with us. Uh, we do wish a happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Thank you, family and friends, for being here on this special day and celebrating with mom. You'll never know how much it means to your mom for you to be here with her uh, and with her family. I know it means a tremendous amount to them, so thank you for being willing to do that for mom today. Got a few announcements for you, and we'll be dismissed. Our mission highlight this week is uh, Community Kitchen. 
Um, they, they are, the, are basically our community kitchen. They offer meals to those who are in need in downtown Paducah. Uh, before COVID, they were serving about 400 meals a day, wound up going 800 to 1,000 meals to a day. So they're doing an amazing work in the city of Paducah. And because you give to Rosebar Baptist Church, we're able to partner and come alongside them and help in that missional endeavor. And so thank you so much for your giving and pray uh, for Miss Sally Michaels and the ministry that is going on there through uh, Community uh, Kitchen. Also, May the 11th is our Vacation Bible School meeting, 6.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. For more information, please see Michael Woolley. And then this Saturday from 8 until noon, we're going to have our church cleanup day. If you'd please sign up so that we know that you're coming. We've got several jobs. Uh, we need hedge trimmers. We need power washers. Uh, we need uh, shovels and uh, four by fours, things like that. So if you have any questions, please see me. But if you can be here, sign up so we can start planning out our day. That is Saturday the 14th from 8 until noon. And then on Sunday is our graduation Sunday for our seniors at graduating high school. Um, and so they're going to have breakfast in the fellowship hall during Sunday school for the graduates and their immediate family. Um, and then we'll have a special presentation for them next Sunday. And then, oh yeah, I guess uh, the names. Uh, let's see if I can remember this. This is where I get in trouble, Howie. Uh, we got... I didn't tell you last week, but I think Chaney Nelson is a name from Marshall County High School. Um, and then we have Haddon Ivy from Christian Fellowship uh, School. And then Avery Bryant from McCracken County High School. And I've got one more from Marshall, which is Chase Webb. All right. I think those are the four high school graduating ones that we've got. And then we have Olivia Ellis that is graduating from college or actually did graduate from college this week. Those are the ones I know about. If there's anyone else, please let us know by next week. But then, now as you leave, we got a couple of things for you. We should have some leftover muffins from Muffins with Mom this morning. They were absolutely wonderful. And so if you'd like to grab one before you go, Rick is setting them up just right in that little drive-thru so you can grab one and go as you're going to your car. Um, we, they're wonderful. You're not going to want to miss it. Grab one before you go, okay? Um, and if you're going to, just take one with you. Secondly, uh, we are now, the baby bottles are available on the table, our welcome table. This is a love offering we take up for Hope Unlimited. Uh, take a baby bottle, fill it up with spare change, spare $100 bills, whatever you have in there. And bring that back by Father's Day, and we're going to give that as a love offering to Hope Unlimited and the, and the work that they do in Paducah for ladies who are pregnant and beyond. They do an amazing ministry, so if you would like to grab one of those before you go, they are available on the Lord's table. And then last and not least, happy anniversary to Jonathan and Brittany Long and Billy and Heather Sumner as they celebrate this week on the 11th and on the 14th. Thank you guys. Uh, for being a testimony of a godly marriage and praise God for you this morning. But if you'll stand to your feet, I think that uh, is all that I have for you. So good to have family and friends here I see out over the auditorium. So good to see Barry. God bless you, brother. Uh, and the Tankersley family. What a wonderful family. Look back there. And the Meadows family and so many others. Uh, but but we, before we go to the Lord, uh, Lee Tankersley, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer?